You are listening to a sermon from St. Peter's Free Church in Dundee, the historic church of Robert Murray McShane. For more sermon content, please visit our website at stpeters-dundee.org.uk. Let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, we thank you that uh, you have gathered us to worship you and to learn from you, and uh, also, Lord, in the learning to worship. And so we pray that your Spirit would grant us ears to hear, hearts to receive. And we pray that we might uh, know that your word is, is not simply to be listened to and comprehended, but your word is to be done. And you constantly, constantly invite and command us to do good things. And so we pray you would give us obedient hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. And now I'm well aware that the temperature is plummeting even as we uh, speak. uh, And that there are a few things guaranteed uh, or more more likely to sort of freeze your brain and, and stop the word of God penetrating the ice layer that builds up around the inside of our skulls and just sort of sitting stationary uh, in, in a room that's quite cold. Um, so uh, if, I, if I see that some of you have um, nodded off, that is you've passed out with hypothermia, uh, then uh, I'll, I'll waken you up somewhere or another and we could do some exercises halfway through or something like that. I'm also well aware that, 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 that uh, some of you know that there is hot coffee and tea available after the service, which brings the prospect of that little phrase after the service, uh, much closer to our hearts, and, uh, and certainly to mine, I can tell you. Um, so this might be a shorter exposition of Psalm 23 than you would normally be used to. Uh, let's read Psalm 23, shall we? And uh, I'm reading from the uh, same Bible I think you've got uh, in the seats, New International Version, 1984. Bible wasn't written in 1984, I hasten to add. Psalm 23, a psalm of David. The Lord, Yahweh, is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of Yahweh forever. Well, these are very, very well-known words. And um, uh, if you've been, um, if you've had the experience of having been in in ministry uh, for very long, then um, 
you will have experienced reading these words many, many times at uh, the crematorium here in Dundee uh, or elsewhere. And it's very difficult to dislodge these words from the context in which they're most frequently heard. So what I want to do is, is in fact, rescue Psalm 23 from the crematorium and uh, resurrect it, as it were, uh, and save it from the ashes. The, the psalm is um, incredibly profound and helpful. There's a reason why I want us to look at it, which is not just because it's in God's word and it's wonderful, and not just because it's, it's you know, Christmas is coming and we've just been singing about Royal David's city. Um, it's really a sort of a personal thing. Uh, we have, uh, over a kind of an extended period, been through uh, the mill, and um, those, I have this um, habit of reading a psalm. The first thing I read in the morning is, is I like to be God's word. Um, I'm, I'm not showing off. I don't always get it right at all. And um, if it's an app on your phone or your tablet or whatever, it's very easy for your finger to go to your emails first or your whatever. So you've just got to train your finger, in my, in my case, to go up to the top left-hand corner of the screen and hit the Bible app. And, uh, and try and remember whether I've read that psalm already before or, or should I be on another one. Um, but just having God's word come in first before anything else, before the TV goes on, the radio, anything else comes in. And so I, um, I, I get up about six o'clock, make sure that Matthew, our, our son, is up for his paper round. And I take the dog round the block and then I sit down with a cup of coffee, uh, otherwise nothing will work. And, uh, and read the psalm. And if it's, if it's possible to do it, if it's not wet, I'll read it outside um, in, in the, the back garden. And uh, we, were, we were going through a particularly difficult period, and I came to Psalm 23. And it was like I'd never read it before. It was so absolutely fresh. It was as fresh as, as if it had just been written, and just been written for us in our situation. And it was incredible. I read it as if I'd never read it anywhere else at any other time. And uh, it was that experience of how powerfully Psalm 23 can speak that um, has, has given me a kind of a, what I hope will be a, a lifelong um, affection for the psalm, which, which always, because it's familiar, runs the danger of becoming cliched in our ears uh, when it ain't. So uh, let's just set the context. Uh, this is a psalm of David. David is a king. The, um, the great motif in the scriptures for king is shepherd. So this is David who is a king, having been a shepherd, becomes king. And that's why king became such a power, uh, shepherd became such a powerful motif uh, for king, because David had been a shepherd and he became the archetypal perfect king of God's people. So at the end of Psalm 78, verse 70, we read, He chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheep pens. From tending the sheep, he brought him to be the shepherd of his people, Jacob, of Israel, his inheritance. And David shepherded them with integrity of heart, with skillful hands. He led them. So David, shepherd, becomes shepherd of God's people. And in this psalm, he's saying, I've got a king. I've got a shepherd. He's prepared to say in front of all his people, I need a king. I need a shepherd. I'm a sheep too. Uh, so he's writing about what it means to have Yahweh as his king and what that does for him as he goes about all the things that he has been called to do, shepherding God's people. 
But of course, Psalm 23 isn't um, you know, sort of David thinking one morning, oh, I, need to, I need to write another nice devotional. Um, and I'll get something written that, you know, just, just, you know, be lovely and send it out. It'd be useful for funeral services and it'd be nice for, uh, for whatever. They'll be able to print it nicely on colored paper and stick it on their fridges. Um, it's written not out of the need just to write something nice. It's written out of affliction. Psalm 23 comes out of a difficult place and a difficult time. And it's because David is up against it that he has felt intensely that God is his shepherd and writes about it. So Psalm 23 is for God's people when they are really up against it. It's for God's people when they need peace because they haven't got it and they need some tranquility because they're in the middle of a storm. It's for God's people who need to have a table prepared for them in the presence of their enemies. It's for God's people who are in the dark place. The original isn't actually a shadow of death. That's a kind of a gloss. It's just the darkest place, a shadowy dark place, which may not necessarily be death. There are plenty of those in life, aren't there? So all the things that David is saying about Yahweh, his shepherd, his king, is saying because he's experienced those and he's knowing he needs them. Now, uh, there are many ways you can, you can sort of draw out from the psalm as you go through it um, what it is that God is to David and what he is to you. Uh, and we'll come to that thing about it being personal uh, in a few moments. Um, I've picked four, um, and you could pick more, and it kind of just worked out that they all begin with a letter P. Now, I don't normally go for alliterations because it can sound like really contrived, you know, like 27 points and they all begin with a letter W or something. And each sub-point in the 27 points begins with the letter B or something, you know, weird, but anyway... So I don't normally do that, but it might help it stick a little bit, particularly when our brains are, are just beginning to go below any kind of suboptimal temperature. First, the, the obvious one, um, the Lord is my shepherd, uh, Yahweh is my king. What does that mean? He is the king who provides, the king who provides. Uh, he provides wonderfully and abundantly, and what he provides is more than just stuff, though we need that. And when David says, I shall not be in want, then you know, you, you, it, it's quite legitimate, I think, for us to reference that God will provide the things that David needs. But amongst those things, it's not just objects and possessions. It's, it's a place that he needs to be. It's an experience that he needs to have. Uh, now, now that is significant for us, and it's significant for us right now when we're sitting listening to a sermon, and when this is the main teaching event in our Christian life, in our church life. Uh, now, it is the main teaching event, but it's not the only way of teaching. It's the main teaching event of this kind. But David hadn't sat and listened to a lot of sermons about God being his shepherd. 
David experienced the shepherd. He experienced what it meant for God to be his king. And the best way he could describe that was, well, he's like just the perfect shepherd who, who makes sure that he takes his sheep to, this, to the good places. He provides for them these good places to be. And it's one thing to know that because you've heard it in a sermon, you've read it in the Bible, you've heard other people talk about it, to know that Yahweh is your shepherd and he will make sure that in the midst of arid times, in the midst of turbulent times, uh, he can take you to a good place and look after you and he can calm you when you're turbulent and he can feed you and nourish you when life seems arid and it is the experience of that that is the key thing now our if if we just think of the sermon on a Sunday morning and evening being the main teaching event and that's teaching we're missing out on a massive other way not alternative but it's just more to it than that the way that God teaches that is he he is using the experience that you are in to teach you Right? He's using the experience that you are in to show you so that you feel what it is like to have a shepherd. So that you experience the difference in a day between in the morning being somewhere horrible and by the evening being calm and knowing what tranquility is about. And having been fed in your soul. And this is what David has had. He's, he's had the experience of God doing this for him. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Sheep only do that when they know they're really safe. When they know that what they've got is good and they don't need to go anywhere else. So they are provided for by being taken to a good place. The, the, these waters of tranquility. It's just a beautiful picture, isn't it? Of, of finding yourself in a place where all of a sudden it is calmer and quieter and what you are hearing by the, with these quiet waters is not the rush and the storm of life and the chaos like the floods to the afflicting part of our country at the moment, but you're just hearing uh, the babbling brook or in, in local language, the bickering Bernie. Those of you who have um, enjoyed the Harris Academy in your youth may remember the school song that was sung about laverocks and bickering Bernies, and nobody ever knew what on earth they were. And there he restores your soul. Because life um, just consumes our souls, doesn't it? Uh, life just eats us up uh, and it breaks us down and it batters us. Um, and, and in that situation, 
Um, we, we, we need to know that, that being a good Christian does not mean ignoring all that stuff or denying it or sort of somehow or another telling yourself that you're fine when you're not. Being a good Christian does not mean that you, somehow or another you are going to force a smile on your face. And we do that sometimes when we come to church, don't we? You know, how are you? And out comes a four-letter word. I'm fine. Really? <laughs> um, now David here, with all the people who would read this psalm, all his subjects, he wasn't doing the British thing of looking strong. He was saying, no, I, I, God restores my soul. It gets worn down. It gets consumed. It gets broken and battered. What a wonderful provider Yahweh is. And he provides us with these paths of righteousness to walk in and and leads us by the hand so that we walk in them. And he protects. The protection runs all the way through. Um, And it's not sort of one thing is in verse 1, the next one's in verse 2 and that kind of thing. So if you've got a kind of analytical mind that has to have things, everything boxed up neatly and compartmentalized and in order, if you're a bit of an engineer, um, then uh, just sort of suspend that for a moment because this is poetry. It's it's not a flow chart. This is not an algorithm. It's poetry. So it's going to be like all over the place. And if you don't like stuff being all over the place, tough, because it just is, you know. That's the way you've got to read it. Um, so the protection is kind of woven in all the way through, um, as is the provision. But when we come to verse 4, um, we've got there um, the, 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 the protection thing coming through because not only will come on to the God being present in a moment, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death or the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. What, 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 what does it mean for God to be with him, for Yahweh to be with him? Well, the shepherd has what David would have had when he was a shepherd, what every shepherd carry, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, um, the... the the rod is the sort of the longer thing that you know gets stylized into a shepherd's crook and that kind of thing, and it's long and it's fairly thin and it's not all that heavy, and you use it to tap the sheep. So you you prod them go that way, or you give them. We you know it's it's what it's what David does with you all the time. You know he just gives you a little tap here and a prod there. Say no, don't do that, do that. No, it's what every good pastor should do. So you use. Uh, the, 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 the rod on the sheep to guide them gently and tap them and say, no, you daft sheep, get over that way and all that with affection. The staff you don't use on the sheep right? because the staff is what in other cultures would be called a cudgel or a knockberry or something like that. The staff is shorter, it's heavy, it's thick and the one end of it is bulbous and really heavy. So you use a staff uh, for caving in a wolf's skull, that kind of thing, right? Um, that appealed to some of you very much, actually. That's interesting. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> you, what you've got and what you can do, God, is cave in 
the wolf's skull. And you will do. You'll deal with the thing that would end me. And you know how to do that. And you're quick to do it. You will do it. So you're with me. To protect me. To keep me safe. And even when we come on to verse 5, and there's the, prepar- the, the, the preparation bit thing, um, then he is protecting there. My enemies are all around. But because you are with me, then I'm safe. I can sit down and eat the choicest fare. I can, you know, forget what's going on around me and I can concentrate on this. Because you're protecting me. Protects me in the threatening place. Protects me in the threatening company. You ever found that? Um, for, for, one, for one reason or another, um, we've we found ourselves uh, from time to time feeling not particularly... Um, emotionally safe we're getting vulnerable and, uh, and perhaps you've experienced this and uh, my most recent experience this is going to sound really daft but my most recent experience was going into Marks and Spencers now some of you do feel vulnerable in Marks and Spencers anyway I mean, anybody with a wallet's going to feel vulnerable in Marks and Spencers um, and so I, was, and I, was, I was just sort of going into the shop and I just had this real surge of it wasn't quite panic it wasn't really fear in the sense of terror it was just vulnerable and I thought oh what's going to happen who am I going to meet and all that kind of stuff and uh, and so I'm going into Marcus praying and again many of you may have prayed fervently as you've, you've gone into Marks and Spencer's and other stores but it was just Lord keep me safe just protect me I, that, that was just a sudden rise of fear There are, there are times when you know exactly what's coming up. You know exactly the kind of threats that there are. Well, he protects you. And then the third thing that begins with P is that he's present with you. And again, it's woven all the way through. Um, it, it crops up. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies because you are there. You are with me in the valley of the shadow of death. Um, you are with me and there is God's presence. But it's all the way through. I mean, the, the, the shepherd can't guide the sheep uh, and, and the shepherd can't provide for the sheep, therefore, or, nor protect them from the wolf or whatever it happens to be unless he's right there in amongst. Present um, in order to provide, in order to protect. Present just to be your best company even in the darkest valley now whilst that has overtones of death it's not just that Uh, and David quite evidently had not actually died yet because he's writing the psalm so whatever he meant by the darkest place in his own experience we must conclude unless David is evidence for the resurrection of the Old Testament, 
that it isn't just death that we apply that to. You get that? Does that make sense? Yes? You get the logic of that? So David has experiences which have not actually killed him that have been like dying. Or could have been. And it has been enough. Quite aside from what has happened, it has been enough to know that Yahweh is with him. And he's not alone. And that's what stopped the fear. That hasn't taken away the darkness in itself. It hasn't taken away the evil in itself. It is simply that God is with him. And that takes away the fear. Now, if you wait... um, if, if you've got this idea that you will have a happy life when there is no evil around you and no darkness around you and you're never going to be in a dark place, then you will wait for a happy life until you get to heaven. It is just life down here that we are surrounded by stuff individually and his church by stuff that is evil and we experience stuff that is dark. Now, if evil and dark equals fear, you're going to spend your whole life afraid. And being afraid, you're going to get defensive, you're going to retreat, you're going to get panicky, you're never really going to trust God. But here's the thing, you can be surrounded by evil and in a really dark place and not be afraid. Most of us are not crippled by the stuff around us. We're crippled by what goes on in here and here, in response to the stuff around us. It is fear that is the crippler. It is fear that makes you hold back, that makes you hide, that makes you retreat. It's fear that makes you just want to stay under the duvet that day and not come out. It's fear that makes you avoid situations that you know you've got to go into. It's fear that sets you up with tension. Fear. And God's presence with him doesn't mean that he's got a lovely, bright life. It does mean that he's not afraid. God gives him courage. His presence is courage for him. And a man or woman with courage can go into terrifically dark, evil places. And not be crushed, not be consumed. I mean, that's what soldiers do, isn't it? Um, It's what David would do when he was a shepherd. A wolf comes, a bear comes. What does he do? Run away? No. He does the courageous thing. And he takes them on. He goes at them. So David has a shepherd, David has a king who provides for him, who protects him, who is present with him. Here's the fourth thing, who is preparing him. Now, not just preparing a table for him in the presence of his enemies, uh, which is wonderful provision uh, and speaks of marvelous protection. um, And certainly that God is there. But, But 
Look at verse 6. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Out of the difficult place, and out of moments of being in calmer, quieter places, out of this up and down, in-out experience of life, David is looking ahead to the house of Yahweh. Looking ahead to God's goodness and love being with him all the days of his life and next, after that, dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. The house of the Lord where there will be no stormy waters, where there will be no shadow, where there will be no evil, nor enemies. See, so verse 6 is David looking ahead to the ultimate final dealing with everything that has been troubling him behind verses 1 to 5. Prepares him for the father's house. Uh, you know that the saying, I'm sure, um, YOLO, you only live once. Um, but in actual fact, uh, we sort of don't believe that, do we? Because we know that this life is not the only life. And this life is never going to be the best life. Your best life is the next one. Don't expect this life to be the next one. Don't expect this life to be like the next one. Don't look for it in this life. Don't demand it in this life. Don't beat yourself up as a failure if you don't have it in this life. This life is not ever, ever meant to be your best life. The next one is. This is not the Father's house. This life. He is with us on the journey to his house. So in John 14, 6, or in John 14, in the first six verses, when Jesus is speaking to the disciples who are about to lose him, when Jesus, who stood up in John 10 and said, I am the good shepherd, I am the good king, God had spoken about bad kings, Israel had experienced bad kings, God had spoken through Jeremiah and Ezekiel, chapters 34 and 36 respectively, about the good king that he would be, because I will come and shepherd my people. Micah prophesied about it in Micah chapter 5, first four verses. So he, that is the one who was appointed from old, who would be the ruler, who would stand and shepherd his people, he would be their peace. And so all this stuff in Psalm 23 just sort of echoes, rolls all the way through the, the, the rest of the Old Testament. Jesus stands up and says, I am the good shepherd. Jeremiah Ezekiel prophesied about bad shepherds, and a good one will come. I am the good shepherd. I am the king. And what does he say to his disciples in John 14? He said, uh, I am going to prepare a place for you. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and receive you to myself. So that where I am, there you might be 
also. That's home. This isn't. And all that Yahweh is doing prepares you for there. Yahweh the king provides for you, protects you, is present with you, and is preparing you for your true home. And you are to take it as personally and individually as that. Without ever making yourself the center of the universe. Because David opens with Yahweh is not the shepherd, but my shepherd. You are invited to do the un-British thing. And make it really personal. He is mine. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this sermon from St. Peter's Free Church in Dundee. If you found this sermon has been helpful to you, please help us to continue building up and assisting the people of God. Visit our website at stpeters-dundee.org.uk For information and training on persuasive evangelism and how to share your faith biblically, please visit the website of SOLAS, the Centre for Public Christianity, at solas-cpc.org. Once again, that website address is solas-cpc.org. Thanks for listening.